Welcome to another episode of Money for Nothing, the podcast about music and capitalism. I'm Saxon Baird with Sam Backer as with Sam Backer as always. And today we got some headlines for you folks. The era of free money has come to an end. Or at least is slowing down. And like what in the hell are we talking about? Well, we'll get into all that, but it's impacting the music industry and the tech sector, which are, of course, as you know, if you listen to this podcast, very linked together now. And so we thought it'd be a good idea to dive into something that people are kind of writing about, kind of talking about, but not really directly. So we said, well, I guess it's time for money for nothing to step up here and talk about inflation. Get out over our skis yeah. and talk about macroeconomic policy. Basically, basically. <laughs> so what we're talking about is 100% impacting the music industry. We're going to get into all that. But first, let's get a little framework about what exactly the fuck we're talking about by the era of free money. Okay, so let's take like a really big step back, like up 10,000 feet (laughs) really quickly and back 15 years, 14 years, I guess, right? 2008 (laughs) was a near catastrophic moment for the U.S. financial system and the global financial system. Um, Basically, bullshit mortgage larceny that a lot of Wall Street people got too high on their own supply and accidentally nearly destroyed, yeah, the American economy and the global economy. The Big Short's actually a pretty good movie that like goes into more detail than we have to go into here. Basically, they, they kind of made up numbers and built a lot of houses in Florida and then packaged them in ways that destabilized everything when everyone was like, these houses are worthless. Um, what you get then is there's this moment, right, where the system is collapsing. And there's a massive global recession and no one's quite sure where the contagion is going to end. And once you start really shaking trust and shit, a lot, a lot of things are based on trust. Banks lending to each other is based on trust. Basically, the entire financial system grinds to an absolute halt. And the world financial system is in a crisis and the U.S. government and, and the Fed is basically proves that it's willing to break all of the rules, right? Like all the neoliberal stuff about markets functioning perfectly and like the need for government to stay out of stuff except for very minor regulation, all of that gets thrown out the window completely. And they're basically like, we will do anything. We will break any rule. We will use every single possible power in our disposal to make sure that the that capitalism doesn't end and by golly they they do it um which they do then they pull out all kinds of tricks right so interest rates is how expensive it is to borrow money um and the fed uh kind of it's really complicated but basically the fed can uh kind of control the rates at which banks lend money to each other which then kind of leaks out to the rest of the system Right. So, so really quickly, if interest rates are high, it's kind of it means that putting money in a bank is, is a pretty if interest rates are high, it means putting money in a bank makes you money, which means that to take money out of a bank to lend money, you need to have a pretty good reason to do so. So borrowing money is more expensive. It means that only things that are like sure shots will get the money and risky stuff is harder to fund because like why would you risk money on something that could lose you money when i don't know let's imagine a world where sitting just keeping your money in the bank gets you 10 percent a year that means an investment needs to be pretty sure 
and pretty profitable to make it worthwhile to lend money. So that slows the economy down, right? Because it means there's less money lending, less things happening, more people are saving more money instead of spending money. It slows everything down. Dropping interest rates does the opposite. It means that it's pretty cheap for banks to borrow money from each other. It's pretty cheap for people to borrow money from banks. And actually keeping your money in a bank doesn't get you very much, right? And we were at like <laughs> 0.5, probably less interest rates. Like there was no interest rates at like at all because interest yeah, so if i want to go ahead and like try to like make some money off of like this pile of cash i have it makes more sense to maybe go invest it in something like say a tech startup yeah or a um set of animated ape characters you know like anything because literally if you keep it in the bank it's only a slightly more safe version of keeping it in your mattress but like that wasn't always true in the 70s in the 80s actually you could get some return on your money just in a bank. So, the Fed in 2008, not just do they cut their interest rates to zero, right? Being like, just borrow as much money as you want. They also do something called quantitative easing, where basically they just start buying up various kinds of federal debt, which basically means that the government is lending money to itself which basically is just printing money, right? This is like all the memes of like money machine go brr. Like that's this. They just pump a tremendous amount of money into the economy. And, and that, that, that stops after a while, but interest rates don't really go up. So this shit gets set. This like incredibly loose, cheap money environment gets set around 2008, 2009, 2010. And then everything, and this is like what's hard to wrap your mind around. Everything that's happened in the last 14 years of American life. Think about, like, that's all of Uber. That's the rise of Amazon to its current position in American society. That's yeah, the first like iPhone came out, like, I think right iPhones, before Obama got maybe? elected. Yeah. So most iPhones. It's also Spotify, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's the entire metaverse. It's, you know, it pick pick a thing. Um, in Sheryl Sandberg's entire career at Facebook, and the point um, being is that like our our world in the la in these fourteen years has been remade, have, has fundamentally, has basically been remade, yeah, fundamentally, yeah, for sure, it's been yeah, remade exactly. fundamentally, and it's been remade fundamentally under conditions that are defined by both new technological possibilities, right, like the set of applications and networks built around everyone having a powerful computer in their pocket, right? The entire smartphone economy. But also the way that that smartphone economy was instantiated was based on the fact that the stock market was basically going up pretty much constantly for 14 years. Um, money was cheap pretty much constantly. I mean, there was a couple blips in there, but like pretty much consistently for 14 years. And it meant that like a lot of rules that normally structure how business and capitalism work kind of like went by the wayside and, and went by the wayside to the point where like people thought that maybe the rules had like fundamentally changed forever. And, and look, there's some like... And maybe still think that, but we don't need to go down that path. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, look, and, and certain rules maybe have, right? But they were like, I remember in... 2018 2019 listening to like 
economics reporting, business reporting, being like, maybe there's just no inflation anymore because right, Trump came in with the economy already. People weren't really feeling it yet, but the economy was finally really recovering in the last two years of the Obama administration. And then Trump basically was just like, we're going to juice it. We're going to just do tax cuts and just throw more money into this already hot economy. And like the classic thing that in the old rules is that if you overheat an economy, you start getting inflation. Which basically means there's, you know, too much money chasing goods and the goods prices increase and and they start increasing kind of based on their based on everyone's assumptions that the goods prices are going to keep being increased. And that's different, right? Than like so things can be inflationary, right? Like gas prices right now are absolutely insane, but that's not inflation. That's like there was a major disruption to the gas to oil supplies that oil is like a commodity. If there's less of it, it's more expensive, but that's like inflationary because it makes it like everything else cost more, which then means that the whole system of like, right, money's imaginary. And if we're all like, oh, everything's $15 more, everything's just like $15 more. That's why you can have those crazy things when you have hyperinflation and they're like, we're just chomping a zero off of all of our money because like we're tired of these extra zeros and as long as everyone agrees to it that's like you know that's money baby that was money tell me that wasn't yeah so again this is where you're like really pushing the limits of my macroeconomic understanding but we're just going to go for it the economy's running really hot during the trump administration basically fed kind of signals that it's gonna maybe raise interest rates everyone freaks the fuck out the fed kind of backs down um trump throws a ton of money into the economy with tax cuts um and but like somehow it's not quite inflation like the job market's getting tight people are starting to get raised but there isn't inflation and then kind of we all know what happens in the last two years right we have coronavirus which like knocks the entire economy sideways it screws up supply chains um it means that there's actually a huge change in demand away from services, which is mostly, I think, most of the U.S. economy, um, towards goods, which then makes those goods, there's a lot of money chasing those goods, so those goods get more expensive, and then they flip back. And basically, the whole system wasn't designed for the absolute insanity of the last two years. So how you describe the last 14 years is what we're calling the era of free money, and now that's kind of all coming to an end because of inflation and because the Fed has increased interest rates. And now this is impacting that those decade-plus of freewheeling tech investments and what we're discovering is that actually Uber can't make a profit. Peloton is now struggling. Spotify continues to struggle to make any profit, wallowing in the red. And these gigantic companies, which have become ubiquitous and powerful brands shaping society and like the world over the past plus decade of this like era of free money, and that kind of seem like a, almost like a permanent fix in our society now, are suddenly having to like face the music a little bit possibly and there's a number of reasons for that but basically like hey maybe you got to actually make a profit now and not just continue to get this like endless flow of like cash and cash investment yeah that's 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 i think a really really good summary of, of what's happening right now right and there's other factors as well of course as well uh making these companies making it even more difficult for these companies uh including people willing to even pay to use their services now if you consider things like the rising rent across the country or rising cost of gas other pro or like other products rising in price due to supply chain issues or like you've mentioned the war in Ukraine you know coupled with the issue of you know already problems with the supply chains and obviously 
you know, the ending of the uh, relief payments last year, stagnant wages, thus like the amount of people supposedly willing to use, say, an Uber or pay for a Spotify subscription or whatever is supposedly lessening. Furthermore, there's other things like there's what we've been coined the intention recession, which, you know, we'll talk about a little bit more later, but which essentially comes down to what you think it means. You know, in 2020, we're all stuck at home streaming music and TV and everything. And that, of course, the use skyrocketed. But now we got lives again. And so our attention is going elsewhere. Um, and I would also just add there's so much content and not enough attention span for anyone anyways. You know, and then you, so you add in all the other bullshit, recession, rising prices of living. And not only people are streaming less, but they also, like I mentioned, might be willing to pay less for these services. And so what's interesting is that you kind of have this crux, right? You got these tech companies who suddenly have less cash flow and investors, less willing to open their wallet. And the pressure to like turn a profit gets turned up a notch a little bit. And then simultaneously, you got a bunch of hard up on the cash users of these services, less willing to pay for them. And then furthermore, if you want to add just one more thing, and maybe I'm going a little too far here, but you got this so-called creative economy, which makes up basically anyone and everyone who makes anything online and sells it. So YouTube, TikTokers, indie bands, NFT makers, whatever, to, to those well outside of the music industry. <laughs> and in fact, most of it is outside of the music industry, but we'll leave the definition as is. But the point being is that these creatives, creators, whatever, are kind of the bread and butter of how these platforms sell and promote and publicize their services. And uh, in one of the articles I read for this uh, for this episode, you know, you could take Jack Conte, founder of Patreon, who just last year claimed that the good news in recent studies found that 75 percent of kids between six and 17 want to be online video creators when they grow up. But as we've noted before, the percentage of the pie of anyone who is actually making a living off this kind of thing is pretty small. And now if I'm reading the tea leaves, it can become even smaller, considering that the money faucet has now become a leak. Like I said, I, I think that's a really, really good summary of this kind of insane moment. And and like some of it's, you know, and I think it does like, it hits different size companies differently. But I think like the, the big thing, and like, again, is that, that I keep thinking about, right? And this moment is like so complicated in so many different ways. We haven't had real inflation since the 80s. It's unclear if it's like getting baked into the economy or if it's, a result of these like weird like temporary blips and it's going to go down again it's unclear like what it looks like if the economy is actually running on close to full unemployed you know full close to full employment like we were actually having wage growth for the first time in like 30 years up until the pandemic basically so there's like a ton of stuff where like the kind of weird static state of not just the last 12 years but like in some ways, the last like 20 or even more years is starting to really shift. And no one knows what, what what's going to happen. The, the thing that like I keep thinking about is like, is the stock market, right? And how that's impacting yeah. so much of this. Because it's one thing to say like, it's one thing to say like, oh, I'm a little startup and I'm trying to get like money from this person or that person. And this whole situation is going to impact those people in, in, in one way, right? But like, for me, I'm really interested in in this like what I'm calling like the vibe shift, right? This sense that for the longest time, for like basically since I've been paying attention to this stuff, it didn't matter that Uber was never <laughs> it like was losing money per ride. Like sit let that sink in. Uber remade transportation in every single city and suburb across America and it was losing money per ride and it was able to do that because its stock valuation was so high. And it was and, and across tech and some tech companies do make money, but like some of them really don't. But the point was that 
in kind of this world of like unlimited growth potential that everyone kind of convinced themselves was going to last forever, all kinds of companies were able to survive for a really long time and just have this sense of like, oh yeah, we're going to like get a 10,000 times our current size by just like being able to get money and burn it basically like thank you softbank yeah Um, yeah and we've talked about we've talked about this a bunch of times over like the last two years of doing this podcast and kind of being like this is crazy this is crazy and it's kind of wild to be like yeah it, it it has been crazy and like maybe fundamentally it's ending and i think that that what you were kind of painting with that picture and what i think we're going to try to pick through in various ways for the rest of the episode is like if this vibe actually is shifting, and maybe it's not, right? Like, maybe things will go back to the way they were, the inflation goes away, the Fed raises interest rates and then pulls it back again, the party continues. But, like, if the party is over, what does that look like for this music industry that has, you know, finally crested the hill of its recovery and thought it was seeing just, like, basically endless pots of gold in every direction? Um at least for the, uh, you know, like the major labels, obviously artists have not been finding like pots of gold in every direction. But like, what does it look like for this industry if the party's over? Kind of? Yeah. And I think that like, obviously opinions still vary on that, as you mentioned, because like, you know, maybe the maybe the party will will kick back off again. Who knows? But, you know, I think one I think one place we might see a slowdown is the gobbling up of music catalogs, which we've seen over the last few years. And like. So despite the fact that uh, major artist investment deals involving the purchasing of catalogs was over $5 billion last year, uh, marking a 180% increase over 2020. <laughs> wild, uh, <dude. laughs> yeah, which is totally insane. Uh, it definitely wouldn't be a surprise if you, you begin to like see that slow down and like there's been a number of publications that have kind of struck more cautionary tones, like the financial times, you know, unjust a, a sort of uncertainty around, around international financial markets. And then like, uh, Bloomberg had a piece called like the music catalog boom, maybe coming to an end. And where they noted that, you know, higher interest rates, inflation and a war in Ukraine, as with all the things that we've mentioned have compelled prospective buyers to be a bit more cautious, according to about a dozen people involved in music deal making. So watch out, Merc Mercuriatus. You might have to face the music. I mean, like, so let's talk about like those like catalog sales that we've been talking about. Like Justin Timberlake sold his a bunch of his songwriting credits for like I think it was like supposed to be like a hundred million dollars, which is a ton of money, don't get me wrong, but like way less than I think he would have sold it for six months ago yeah that's like lower significantly lower than like neil young and i feel like those in hits i mean i actually don't know if he has songwriting on the in hits but like <laughs> uh like what goes around comes back around like that that seems to me to be like those like wedding slash bar mitzvah bangers seem to me like <laughs> he's got a couple like major 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 hits that are never going away as long as there are like millennials to spin them and so, like, to me, that was kind of, like, a sign of this, like, cooling market. And and what's cool, what's going to be cool, I think, is, like, not to get too even deeper into the weeds and all this. It's, like, for stories that we've been following a long time, there's this, like, famous saying that uh, um, it's not until the tide goes out that you can see who's wearing pants. Um, 
And, like, it's going to be interesting. You know, you and I have, like, wondered whether some of these, like, companies that are basically buying up song rights and then kind of claiming that they're able to, to find new ways to monetize these publishing rights in this new digital economy and have kind of argued that, like, song rights are fundamentally been undervalued, that they're counter-cyclical, which means that, like, how much money you get from them doesn't change depending on the broader economy and that like they're gonna keep gaining value i guess we get to see whether that actually happens because a let's see if it's counter cyclical like (laughs) it's gonna about to be a cycle and let's see if it actually is and then b like you know one way to say it's undervalued is they're undervalued versus like i don't know something some imaginary real economy how much money they're actually going to make another way to say they're undervalued is if you convince everyone that they're really valuable and you buy them first then they go up in price because there's this crazy bidding war and and that's like probably been a major part of like the insane valuation that these different companies are throwing at cat artists like bob dylan and neil young just this endless parade of hit makers who have sold off their songwriting for just exorbitant sums as like this entire industry is financialized and it's we're gonna see right like do these um is was this actually a business proposition that makes sense in a world where you have to make money or was this a house in florida in 2006 yeah and of course like as i've the line and and my line, which I've expressed before on this podcast, is that it's bullshit and they don't really need to make a profit. I think my favorite thing about Hypnosis Song Fund is that they don't have any employees and they just apparently farm out all of whatever operational stuff they need to do to third parties. So, like, to me, that was, like, a sign that, like, it's just all hype. But now it's like... I mean, that's how we run this podcast as Yeah, well. exactly. <laughs> we also have no employees. We also are all hype. No, but... uh but the point, but the you heard it here first, folks. All fucking yeah, hype, baby. That's right. That's right. Uh, to make no money, but uh, no. But it is. It is interesting that like, wow. Actually, he they might have to sort of face the music now. And I mean, I don't think they actually will. I think that probably you know through various like financial dealings, like you know the people will make sure that they like their money isn't lost. But nonetheless, it it is an interesting aspect of it, and I think. I think the the other thing I think you know you you brought up in, in in I think another thing you just brought up is the question of like you know if music really is counter cyclical, and 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 I think and I think the one thing that we can maybe talk about a little bit okay so maybe JT's like selling a little low okay big deal but like you know do do people is this actually happening like do people actually cancel their spot their nine ninety nine Spotify subscription because like the economy's a little tight or because they could maybe like invest their money into the bank more and like get a little bit higher interest rate like you know it it, it seems questionable <laughs> if like that, that's the first thing you're going to cut is like a ten dollar uh subscription fee but what is interesting is could this inflation and the need for spotify to maybe turn a profit as they continue to like wallow in the red and now if like there's going to be less investment like will they raise their prices because that's i mean that's a classic app move right like get you in for like a year for free and then it's 2.99 and then it's 7.99 and then it's 9.99 next thing you know you're paying like 22 dollars a month for it yeah totally i mean some of this is like how cyclical are things gonna get and again not to get over like our like economic skis right like if it's a soft landing and like the economy slows down a little bit and 
things don't get too hairy. Maybe like the stock market goes down 20%, but everyone doesn't cancel their Spotify subscriptions. The market's not the economy. Um, like, thank you, Kai Ristol, for that catchphrase. And like, maybe it's fine, right? Or maybe like they <laughs> don't stick the landing, which is what they're trying to do, right? Is stop inflation without fucking pulling the economy to a screeching halt. If a lot of people lose their jobs and times get really tough, which is like what we're actually looking at a real potential here, then I don't know. Like, do people, you know, it, it's maybe it's like you can get a higher amount of interest for the bank or whatever, but it's more like who is ever employing you or who's ever going to invest in the company that would have employed you if they pull their money out and you don't have a job. Like, maybe the free tier of Spotify is fine. Maybe you're down with ads. And like, what's crazy again is, is that like, in terms of like the the overall potential for a vibe change here, right? Is like, and I just, I'm gonna keep repeating this because it's hard for me to wrap my mind around. Like all of Spotify happened in a weird, non-typical economic environment. Not only did like the entire music economy, music industry recover and make the transition to this new digital kind of like rights management system, which is basically what they do. So it's not even like that, you know, Merc Mercuriatus, we'll see if he's right or not. It's like, we'll see if it, like this entire thing got built in this weird environment. So really, like, at some level, we have no idea. And like, a lot of people are betting a lot of money that they're right. But like, I, I don't think I don't think we know. Yeah, and it's interesting to think about like, whether or not like the, you know, the House of Cards really does fall for like, say, a Spotify, because it brings up a bunch of different questions and like, you know, you, you, you can't help but start to like think about like, okay, like as you've suggested, we've created a culture of streaming. Like we all stream, like it's here. It's what, you know, it, it is the dominant form of like music listening and Spotify is like the main platform in which we like stream music. So like what happens if Spotify decided to go fully into podcasting and like not have to deal with the majors anymore or actually folded? And, like, what fills that void? Yeah, I think it's, it's a really interesting question. Because, like, at some level, you, you could think about this as, like, streaming is how we listen to music. But unlike, I don't know, I mean, there's been a lot of economic news about uh, other streaming services. Uh, specifically, like, Netflix has started losing subscribers for the first time. And video streaming is, is going through a really interesting moment. Like, CNN Plus Plus? <laughs> like got launched and folded um netflix is running into real trouble spotify is clearly down something like 55 its stock price is down like 55 percent, something crazy and so there's like interesting questions if i think that's worth like disaggregating which is like streaming in general and like music streaming in particular and i actually think it's interesting to disaggregate those because i think that they they look really different i think that at one level right at just like streaming writ large in general I don't know about Spotify in particular, but I think at some level, like music streaming and, and maybe the music industry in general might actually come out of a world in which there's like massive disruptions to like tech related valuation might actually come out of it looking okay, right? Like Netflix, for instance, like famously, basically like kicked down the door of Hollywood, had a great product, kicked down the door of Hollywood and just started, th because it was a tech company, which is a new kind of company and not like, a movie studio, which everyone knows how much money they make, and it could just promise kind of the world, was able to just throw so much money at projects and so much money and just basically flood the zone. 
but not actually like you know like Netflix actually isn't like isn't more efficient at making a TV show or a movie than a movie studio is. It doesn't do it cheaper. And so like at a certain limit, like you can expand to a certain point, but then like you're gonna have competition, and then you have to do things like make movies that make more money for less money consistently. And like Netflix, it turns out from all the reports, and this is like another industry, um, but from all reports, like doesn't know how to do that really. And so like they're struggling. Versus you know. The music industry and Spotify and, and the other streaming services, I think, are an integral part of the system. And we kind of talked about the ways in which they're all really like, I think of them as like handcuffed to the majors. But like, unlike the streaming services, where basically they've been able to like promise tech valuations, the music industry like <laughs> clawed its way back the old from like the, the, the internet abyss whatever you want to call like it's major downturn in the early 2000s it kind of clawed its way back the old-fashioned way which is like by being meaner and more exploitative by squeezing water from a stone by paying their artists less by keeping all kinds of weird outmoded like breakage fees even though everything is digital now by cutting costs by slashing you know all the label you know all those dudes who used to people who used to like work for the labels oh everyone got laid off they killed all the middle management literally killed them murdered them it was unbelievable no one talks about it sorry that, that's untrue but <laughs> um yeah now, now we're just lying but, but no but but right no but i guess but, but the, yeah i guess i mean the point is is that like maybe they would they would like they they could maybe come out a little unscathed because like they've kind of like been through this shit before but what's also interesting is it also could you know if like a Spotify disappeared or whatever, like it could create a vacuum in which, you know, maybe some of the things that we talked about, you know, on our episode with Matt Dryhurst are able to sort of fill those spaces and there's a reorganization and maybe like indie labels kind of have a moment or indie artists or whatever to kind of reform and kind of maybe uh, create that sort of uh, vision that, that is, is a little bit more profitable for, for them uh, than, than, you know, the current paradigm. Yeah, no, and, and that that was kind of what I was I was gonna say as like kind of part part two of like the what could happen to streaming, right? Like that, just to kind of put put a, a pin on the the first part is that like kind of maybe in a world in which valuations are are looked at like more realistically, the music industry, which for a really long time like wasn't being valued according to tech rules, but was being valued according to like grown up company <laughs> rules, like actually maybe looks in comparison to these other companies, more profitable. Yeah, yeah. And so the, the question is, is like how much of like the music industry is like tied to the valuation of the tech company? Like how how much are they like, is that is that a relationship that they can't really extract themselves from? Or, you know, how much is it something that they can kind of, like if, if tech kind of goes to the wayside for a little bit or starts to struggle, like how much can the music industry kind of stand on its own and be okay? Yeah, and that and that I feel like is the the literally the, the $300 million question or probably more than that but like you know like are the majors back or the majors back because they got a friend who's like helping them be back in the tech company and like low interest rates yeah i mean look if you if you look at if you look at like that the the the, all the publicity i kind of went back to some stories from 2021 in prep for this right and 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 looked at what people were saying when like Basically, they rolled out the red carpet for, for Lucian Grange, who's the CEO of Universal, which went um, which went public, uh, or at least listed on the stock market. It's it's weird, technically different for reasons I will never. I refuse to learn. Um, 
the the you know when they were kind of rolling out the red carpet for for him as kind of this the man who revived universal music which is the the world's biggest record label and to a certain extent like the music industry writ large it was really interesting right they they, they kind of all go like streaming brought the music industry back to profitability and then like colon m dash social media is the future and like <laughs> And in in time after time after time, they're talking about like we have a realistic like income and profit stream from streaming, um, and we know like you know we're getting close to like peak out growth in like the a lot of the markets that they 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 know the best and are most secure in right like pretty much everyone in the U.S. is streaming music now. Um, baby boomers are kind of like in the final frontier on on that count which we talked about, I guess, two episodes ago in, in, in the one about kind of new music versus old music. But like, there was a sense that there's this incredibly exciting world of Roblox and concerts in Fortnite and NFTs where you can buy digital versions of the pants that someone, you know, that, that like Oasis was wearing in 1995 and put it on your character and ads and tiktok in this whole universe of tech driven profit and and when they were talking about the bright future of the music industry part one was we're now profitable again because of streaming which is like as far as i can tell like actually true and then part two was like and our stock is going up because of tech and so that's like i think the real question is like how does this impact that but before we kind of because I think that that's that kind of like <laughs> that like patented heady take that I think we're going to kind of uh, wrap up the episode on. But like, before we do that, I did want to like go back to, to your, your points accent, which is really, really interesting about like what kind of possibilities there are just in this streaming ecosystem, because, because the way I see it, right? Like unlike the competition between the various streaming platforms for like TV, right? Where they have very different things and like personally it's funny like the way my household does it now is sort of like we pay for two of them and which two cycles and we just like we're not paying for more than two of them and you can always just like dump a subscription and get a subscription we're willing to pay for two of them and which two we pay for out of like the seven options just shifts over time and we just kind of cycle through it and just see like and like but the thing is, no one does that for music because they're all the same right now, right? right? Spotify, Amazon, Apple, Tidal. I, th- I think that's it. Is there another one? Am I missing one? Uh, Deezer. I don't uh, know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, apologies to your janky-ass music <laughs> streaming service that I forgot. Um, <laughs> like, But they're all the same, right? Which is very weird. And And so a question is like, if something were to happen, if this is a moment of like disruption, like it, it's interesting to like play out for a second. Like what, what possibilities there are? Like you brought up one, which is like 
everything is getting more expensive because of inflation. And in fact, Spotify, and this is, again, this is the weirdness of like our moment. Spotify has actually been anti-inflationary in its pricing for most of its history, right? Like Spotify, I think, rolled in with, did it roll in with the 1099 original subscription? It's something right around there. But basically like, since it first launched in a big way, maybe it's raised its prices a little bit in nominal terms, but like because of a base amount of inflation in the economy, it's actually significantly cheaper to have a Spotify subscription now than it was when it first launched in terms of like how much the money is worth. And again, that's the kind of weird thing. And like in, in, in an upside down tech world that we've lived in for so long, right? Like they were getting their money from the stock market and investors. So they didn't actually have to like deal with individual patrons, which also meant that like they could help tamp down inflation by like not charging less for goods because they really didn't care. So like one of the things is like now, like no one, maybe people would bat an eye, but no one would necessarily be like, if you raised your prices because of inflation, no one would be like, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard of. Everyone would be like, oh yeah, all the prices are raising because of inflation. And so that, I feel like a move like that could begin to like, the way I see it is, it's almost like this whole streaming ecosystem is like carefully balanced. And I wonder if like, if one thing shifts that could open up spaces for like other companies to do other things very distinctively. And I really do wonder like what happens if all of a sudden you get real differentiation between the various major streaming platforms that have like all of the, all of the songs basically it has like Prince and also the hardcore band that you saw last weekend and also Metallica or, and also Miley Cyrus. Right. Like, because for me, like I don't really count the little ones where they don't have all that. Cause they kind of function in a different universe, but like you can imagine where like Spotify raises its prices and then I don't know, Amazon starts to bundle. And then all of a sudden there's difference. There's a real difference between like these two options. And then who knows what could happen? I think your point about like, could this open up a space where like a smaller one that's cheaper, but artist owned or like, I, I don't really know, but I actually think that like the stasis where there's Spotify and then a bunch of huge tech companies and then title a perfect example, which is like title, right? Which was purchased by Square. That's right. In, in March, where like all of a sudden now you've got, but we haven't, as far as I know, I am not a title aficionado, but like you could imagine all of a sudden like that service functioning in a really different way. And I, and I honestly, like as to your point, like I think a world where like the streaming services look kind of different and feel more different and do different things is a kind of exciting one and one that could potentially open up space for things most obviously like what's the what's the opposite of a heel turn a hero turn like whichever one is like we're raising prices for artists right in a competitive world in which they are all now competing based on differentiation between them being like we're not just like gonna pay slightly better there's a possibility ones like amazon's like oh we're gonna bite the bullet and and double double the payment for artists that spotify does 
Which I think is probably also one of the reasons why, like, and I know that like uh, previous guests on the on the on the on the pod have described it as kind of like you know I don't know like a childhood blanket or whatever. But I think you kind of brought up a point of kind of why like Bandcamp is kind of interesting in a sense because it was it was different. It was like a different streaming service than like what we're used to, which is like nice. Um, I mean, it didn't it's like only vaguely work for streaming though? Yeah, I yeah. Still feel like. No, yeah, for sure, for sure. But 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 the point being is that like I think that's also something that we we're excited about. Like I don't know, like I don't really like buy the whole like it emulated a record store. Like I don't really think it emulated a record store that well. I mean, I guess you could see that that point. But what the point? But what I'm saying is that it just yeah. was so, it was also just different. You know, it was like it wasn't like the obnoxiousness that is like Tidal and Apple and Spotify. Um, because right, because otherwise, as you're saying, it kind of just comes down to like a sort yeah, of yeah, and like maybe difference, like right? difference in like recommendation I, I, or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like different algorithm, like whatever. Where your playlists are, there's like the sunk cost of like right. my nine, my my seventy two hour mix of like Hindustan <laughs> classical music. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Getting me through my dissertation, baby. <laughs> Getting me <Yeah>. through. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. Well, maybe to like sort of like get into the final stretch of this a little bit. Like, I think another thing that I kind of want to ask is like, like, how does this like impact the art and yeah. like the artist? And I kind of mentioned at the beginning of the show this sort of extremely annoying and obnoxious thing called the creator's economy, which I don't want to go into too much, but it, it does bring up a certain point. You know, we've talked about in past episodes how like the way the pie is divided as far as when it comes to money being made off of streams on Spotify. And mm-hmm. it really comes down to not even a 1%, like a 0.5% of artists on there are actually making it money that could even be considered to be like a living wage. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, you can extend that out to other like social media platforms where these so-called, you know, creator economies are everywhere from like say only fans to TikTok to like whatever it may be. So the question is that I kind of mentioned at the top of the show is if the purse strings are being tightened, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Then not only the, the purse, if the purse strings are being tightened, then the pie theoretically gets smaller. And so this pie that is already going to a very small percentage of people now is getting smaller. And now like the amount of that money that's going to is getting even is becoming even less money and like that is even out there to earn. Right. And so it just, it just kind of brings up this whole idea. Like, I mean, so you're saying it's just like, like the unsustainability of it increases. Yeah. 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 It's kind of being exposed. And then it becomes brings up this other point where it's like, or that brings up like maybe a little bit of a galaxy brain question, but like I, that I, I think it's worth uh, proposing here, which is like, does that change this whole, this whole creator economy and actually change the culture around it as well? Because in a weird way, it kind of shows that, like, you know, whatever, the emperor has no clothes in a sense. Like, you know, yeah, there's all these stats coming out, all these articles coming out that it's really difficult to make money at these things. And, like, of course, that's not what gets the headlines. What gets the headlines is, like, you know, these, like, 17-year-olds who are making millions of dollars living in mansions in, like, L.A., right? But, like, that's a that's a 0.5% of the people that are here, right? And this kind of almost, almost further exposes that. And maybe, like, that gravy train in which those, like, 17-year-old millionaires and, like, influencers in, like, L.A., like, maybe they get impacted as well by it. And I'm just kind of curious, like, you know, that's kind of, like, more of, like, a cultural idea. Like, you know, it's, like, does, does this sort of, like, trend of, like, the influencer and the creator economy and all this stuff that people throw around, which... You know, we all kind of know it was a little bit of like just a bunch of hype and kind of a bubble in itself. But like, does that kind of then does that culture actually kind of change in a sense? Yeah. No, I mean, and and I think that like 
obviously it, it's like from where we're sitting at this moment is impossible to answer i mean at, at one level it's some of oh, this but I, yeah i, I and i agree with that it is impossible to answer but i think it's worth thinking about you know because i think once again you know this is my more my less cynical more more hopeful view but if dissatisfaction starts to set in with the s current systems and the current platforms then that does kind of create or crack open a door for like these creators artists whoever they meet may be trying to create alternatives that are maybe like a little bit more sustainable and maybe god i don't know god forbid worker owned who knows you know and like i know that's like kind of going like way out there but it's like when you when you think about some of the ideas being like thrown out there by like you know past guest matt dryhurst or other people that are like kind of more in the tech sector believe it or not who knows like you could be skeptical i think you should be skeptical but i mean like this kind of situation does sort of at least create does kind of create a space where like for a moment for a moment for a moment maybe these sort of tech companies that are really like shaping our world completely are up against the ropes a little bit and you know there's a little bit of a space there to like hit them on the chin and go do your own thing for a minute <laughs> and kind of create something yeah new. yeah yeah i mean so some of this is also going to be so determined i think like playing out the cultural implications of this stuff is is really is is like we said like impossible right and some of the thing is also because it's contingent on like the various kind of how these various uh, uh trends that we've kind of been talking and dancing around how they intersect right like parts of like the creator economy you know the like youtube stars right like my sense is that like that's actually real i mean that's Honestly, it's not fundamentally different than television, right? Like, you're advertising. You, you get a lot of people to watch your thing, and then you advertise against that. Like, and maybe that's not real, but, like, it's worked for TV for, like, 70 years. And so, like, part of that, I think, is, like, maybe it's hype, but also it's big enough. And certain parts of the tech industry, right, totally, they're big enough to, like, actually exist. Like, Amazon, Amazon Web Services, an actual thing that actually does stuff in the economy and does not lose money per user <laughs> and but i do think that like what you're pointing at is is like the, the 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 cultural implications of like the vibe shift the great vibe shift of 2022 right like talking to like uh matt dryhurst right thinking about like the number yeah. of yeah, yeah. crypto people who made real real money and enough people with a set of ideological presuppositions that make real, real money in an economy shifts the culture, right? Like, if you think about, like, think about the 80s now. We think about, like, Wall Street dudes in big ties and suspenders doing cocaine. There weren't that many of those people, but there were enough of them in the right places to, like, actually shift broader set of, 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 of like, culture, right? Like, people, it, it impacted people. So I do think that, like, the way folks have thought about the economy, the way the folks have thought about like building a community, the way the folks have thought about like money at a fundamental level, like the relative unreality of money. That's especially like <laughs> GameStop onwards that we've been in this insane moment. Like if that changes, yeah, I think that that could actually like, really shift how how people are thinking about like what's possible and i, I wonder you know we we talk a lot a a shocking amount about fugazi on this show um 
an episode that we both went into being like, I don't know about this Fugazi band, and both came out of being like, they've got a really accurate critique of the political economy of the United States. And like, but you know, like at one level, right? Fugazi in a world of infinite growth is almost like it's so counterintuitive that it doesn't make sense. You're not trying to get a <laughs> hundred thousand, a million listeners. You're trying to like play enough shows to be able to keep playing shows in a small community. And I, I feel like even from when we did that episode, which is like a year and a half ago now, right? Like the endless growthness of this like tech bubble, the sense that like a, an idea was good if it was going to get 50 million users and make the people who came up with it billionaires, like some of that was always true, but that was like a leading sector of capitalism and a leading like ideological force that has shaped American society. And like you said, I think precluded other kinds of thinking, even just like the interest in financialization that like cryptocurrency represents. I wonder if like, some of that doesn't go away necessarily, but like, I wonder if like the, how intrigued folks are with like the finance-ness, the business-ness of it. Like if things really change and like the vibe does shift and all of a sudden, like it's not possible to be like, or fewer 22 year olds move to San Francisco and get six figure jobs because the fewer of those jobs exist because like they're cutting headcounts at every single tech company. Like, I can't imagine that, like like you said, I think maybe does open up some other ways of thinking or spaces for other ways of thinking that maybe didn't seem as viable or as didn't fit the aesthetic of like the society at that moment. Yeah, it's a really interesting point you bring up because also what you saw in those 14 years was this sort of like sudden like rebranding of socialism is what i'll call it <laughs> sure yeah. yeah yeah yeah. you know which is really interesting too you know and i mean like okay let's like be cynical here i mean like i don't know like i'm projecting all these like sort of utopian possibilities like with like technology and like small communities and things like that but maybe it just turns out that like you know addison ray goes off and starts her own fucking tiktok platform and then just basically you know becomes the next fucking like you know jack of twitter or something you know i mean that that's that's probably the more likely situation <laughs> you know but but it does but i do i do like what you're saying in the sense that like maybe some of these ideas which kind of maybe we're beginning to feel maybe like a little bit archaic or like of a time past like you're kind of saying the sort of tend to your own garden uh, yeah tend to your own garden fugazi approach it's like well maybe this is kind of like opening up a sort of space where maybe that's actually like kind of a good idea and um it kind of reminds me of something that, like, and, I, you know, I don't do this too often on the show, but it kind of reminds me of something that I, um, it kind of reminds me of something that, like, I kind of personally experienced was, like, you know, in sort of, uh, I'd say around 2017, 2018, I was going down to Sao Paulo a lot, and without getting into the politics of, like, Brazil, like, there's not a lot of social services down there, and uh, there's not, not, not a lot of, you know, money, you know, the economic disparity there is, like, pretty strong, but, like, I was kind of hanging out in these sort of like, electronic music scenes down there, and it was just really amazing to me like how much they kind of all supported each other and kind of really did tend to their own garden in a way and like you know would go out and find like an abandoned flower factory to throw a rave at and like 10,000 people would show up to the fucking rave <laughs> you know and it and it just and it was weird because it, it it really did form under like almost like a sort of financial and social situation where it was almost like necessary to kind of create that community 
you know and it, like obviously like i wouldn't wish that upon the united states although it feels like it's fast approaching that but you know but i'm just saying it's like it it, it is possible for these sort of like i think things to to, to actually happen and like there could be and, and i think i think i only mentioned it because because you you can kind of take these like very like macroeconomic like like conversations that we're having but if you have enough if you have enough vision you can kind of see something exciting kind of form out of the changes that are happening to the economy and maybe the end of this era of free money that you know if you're actually paying attention to it and you're active about it you could form something new which like maybe would be a little bit more equitable than fucking pennies on the dollar from spotify yeah hell yeah (laughs) (laughs) so as usual we've ended with our galaxy brain take uh So I think for, I think to kind of wrap up, I think, you know, really the the point is, is like, I guess, watch this space, which is like something that we've oftentimes uh, ended our episodes on. But it, 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 it was it was too exciting or it was too interesting for us not to dive into on this episode. And we were just seeing so little like directly being written about it and talked about when it came to the music industry that we just felt like it was like really important to sort of like make people aware of like kind of what's going on and like yours is interested uh, to see what happens in you know next six months to the next year when, when it comes to uh, next six months next five years next, next five ten years, years yeah, right yeah. like like that's the thing is it's like a new era really right it's, it, it it could be a real new era and like you know the last era there were a lot of cool things there were a lot of like <laughs> shitty things but i don't think that like the massive incursion of finance backed tech into like the inter like into every little crevice of our daily lives um was awesome and like yeah what if what if they were and they, like they weren't like being like they didn't think they were making money doing it <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i mean like don't get us wrong i mean like anybody who's read surveillance capitalism that they're going to be around they're going to be still finding little little ways to make money off of us but uh yeah maybe this is a kind of an end of an era and like we'll definitely be uh watching this uh play out and you know maybe doing more episodes on it in the future but until then uh you can contact us at money for nothing podcast at gmail follow us at m for n podcast on twitter you can subscribe to us at money for nothing substack Music by Bird Language. Thanks again for listening as always, and we'll catch you in two weeks' time.